Parapods, City of Parramatta Libraries podcast, where we talk about books, libraries, and everything in between. My name is Nissa, and today I'm here with Antonia. Hello. Hey. So, the topic for today is historical fiction. Um, historical fiction, as you're all aware, is a genre of writing in which the setting is located in the past. However, it's not as simple as it seems. Um, there's a bit of debate about what exactly is considered historical fiction and what isn't. Now, the Historical Novel Society, according to them, um, historical fiction is something, uh, well, it's, it's something that is written and at least 50 years have passed since the events described. Um, some okay. other, you know, uh, some other people might say it's perhaps less than that, maybe 25. Others would say it's any old novel. Um, so, for example, Pride and Prejudice, um, which was, of course, when it was written, it was contemporary. Yep. Um, and others say it's probably pre-World War II, anything that was written before then. So there's a bit of debate about that, um, which is, you know, I guess a pretty interesting thing. There's also another interesting aspect in that historical fiction has a pretty interesting relationship with popular and academic history. Okay. Now, for those of you who don't know, academic history is, of course, what you know um, academics write in the course of studying history. Popular history is, I guess, the same sort of history, but it's more marketed towards a non-academic audience. Of course, academic and popular history have their own tensions, but there is a bit of overlap with popular history writers and historical fiction writers, okay. such as Philippa Gregory and Alison Weir. Interesting. So there's, yeah, definitely something to check out. <laughs> yeah. um, another interesting aspect is that a lot of popular history and historical fiction focuses on females. Now, do you know why that would oh, be? Why is that so? <laughs> so um, it focuses on females because if you notice historical accounts often yeah. omit uh, the lives of women or what women have accomplished that because, true. you know, it wasn't considered as interesting yeah. or they, they didn't have as many public roles. So yeah. this tries to fill in that void, historical okay. fiction and popular history. So I find that really interesting. Um, That's interesting, especially about because the two novels we're going to talk about today do kind of have females in them. They do, they do. At least my one is written by a female, even though okay. the main person is a male. But I'll okay. leave that to you to <laughs> let us know which two books we'll be discussing today. All right, so the first book we're going to discuss today is The Mirror and the Light, and this is written by Hilary Mantle and published by HarperCollins in 20, early 2020. And the second one is The Pearl Thief by Fiona McIntosh, published by Penguin Random House Australia and published in early 2020. Oh, 2018. All right, Nissa, care to talk about The Mirror and the Light? Now, I know that's a very thick book, 800 plus pages, yep. quite a lot. <laughs> have you finished it? <laughs> I have indeed. And can I just say that 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 took some some work doing that. I mean, look, it was it was a great book. She's a great yep. writer, Hilary Mantel. Uh, it was a really good book, but boy, it is it is a pretty long <laughs> book. And I think it's a book that is suited to I suppose someone who um, wants something to read over many, many days. Yep. Um, so An extended break. An extended break. It's definitely a book for that. It's the book for yep. a holiday or an extended break, for okay. sure. Um, is there an e-audio book available? Oh, yes, there definitely is. And e-book, do you know how e-book long? E- well, 38 hours, people. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's a very long time. It is. It is. I didn't listen to it as an audio book. Yeah. I did it as a um, a book, um, a print a book. A physical book. But yep. if if you would like to do it as an audio book, it's thirty eight hours. But look, getting back to who? <laughs> yeah. Let me just talk about the book a Continue. little bit. So, The Mirror and the Light is the third book in the Wolf Hall series. So, yep. Phil- Philippa Gregory wrote um, a book called Wolf Hall. 
that book in 2009. So that's about 11 years ago now. It won the Man Booker Prize. So the prize is now called the Booker Prize for Fiction, but back then it was the Man Booker. So that was the first book. Um, The second book in the series, Bring Up the Bodies, that won a Man Booker Prize in 2012. Yeah. Um, and this book, well, let's just say it, it's it's got a very good chance of winning a booker as well. Okay. Uh, just to complete the trifecta. <laughs> so it is the third book, the third and the final book in the series, mm-hmm. and it focuses on Thomas Cromwell. Now, Thomas Cromwell, for those of you who don't know, was an English lawyer. This is in the 16th century. Um, he was of humble birth, so he was the son of a blacksmith. Um, he was a soldier or a mercenary. He then worked for bankers in Europe. He came back to England, became a lawyer. Then he became a member of the household of the Lord Chancellor, Cardinal Wolsey, who was the second most powerful man in the country after the king. So he is a real person. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely a real person. Uh, He became a member of parliament. He acquired titles, wealth, powerful positions. He made lots and lots of enemies, of course. Um, He was very good at his job, but um, because he acquired all these power, like all this power and all these powerful positions and this wealth, and he was of humble birth, um, let's just say a lot of people weren't happy about that. So he made (laughs) lots of enemies. Uh, Another thing that went against him was that he tried to help the English Reformation. So it was a time of great upheaval. Uh, You know, monasteries were being closed. Um, The Bible was being written in English, which was contentious at that time. Okay. So he helped that, and then eventually uh, he was executed, you oh. know, which is something that in Horrible. the end, the, yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean, it did happen in real life. It did so. happen in real life, so I think I can be excused for that yeah. right now. So the book um, begins with the fall of Anne Boleyn, the third book, okay. um, and it ends with his own demise. Okay. Now, I had read the first two books a while ago, though, because like I said, it's been 11 years since yes. the first book came out. Quite a so time. a tip for anyone who wants to get into the third book, but they yeah. don't want to go back to the first mm-hmm. two, um, watch Wolf Hall, the miniseries that came okay. out in 2015. Um, it starred Mark Rylance as um, Thomas Cromwell and Damien yeah. Lewis. I think everyone knows him as Nicholas Brody from Homeland and Bobby Axelrod and Billions. He played Henry VIII. Okay. Um, and Claire Foy, who played the Queen in seasons one and two of The Crown, she plays yes. Anne Boleyn. So if you watch that miniseries, I think it's yep. maybe about 10 episodes or so, that okay. covers the first and the second book. So that's what I did. And okay. I, as soon as I finished it, um, <laughs> just because I wanted like a, a shortcut, <laughs> um, and then I launched into the third book and it was quite seamless. So okay. that's just a tip for anyone out there who wants to read it. Um, about the book, look, yes. uh, it was really, really interesting. I mean, it's... It's a massive job to go through it, yep. but there is so much to admire in it. Like the language, for example, she's a gifted writer. Um, I love this line from the book. Um, so she's talking about, uh, so it's written from a, like it's a third person narrative, right? Yep. And it's written from the point of view of Thomas Cromwell. Yeah. And there's a lot of the um, the dialogue is basically what he's thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and one is, one quote is, he admires these speculative world, worlds that grow up in the crevices between truths. And I don't know, I just really, really love that. Interesting. And I think because that really talks about the culture at court. Yeah. Um, so one great thing about the book is that she brings all these figures alive. There are so many historical yeah. novels out there. I mean, especially on the Tudors. Like, this is yes. a Tudor period. You, like, the, the industry is awash with these. You've got... Um, That's correct. You've got so many people like Philippa Gregory and Alison Weir and just everyone out there re- mm-hmm. writing books on, you know, Henry VIII's wives, yeah. um, the daughters of Henry VIII. And there's so much out there. Um, there's almost like a glut in the market. But 
this is so distinct, this book, um, just because she brings all these sort of crusty figures that you would really only be exposed to in historical, like in, in like academic or yep. maybe popular history works. Okay. She brings them alive. Um, the camaraderie between all these different figures, the rivalries between the king's men um, in their household. Um, and I think the dialogue feels really, really alive and really clever, um, especially the coded way. There are a lot of insults mm-hmm. because back in those days, you couldn't really say what you meant because yeah. anything could be considered treason, right? So yeah. you had to be careful about how you talked. Okay. You couldn't be as plain spoken as we have now. And I think that's a little bit about the kind of society that was back then there. You had hierarchical yeah. society, so you had to, you know, be careful about how you spoke to your quote unquote betters. Um, <laughs> so everyone had to be careful, yeah. yeah. But the way the way she writes the dialogue, it's, it's coded in its insults. Yep. And I love that as well. That's something really interesting to be exposed to. Do you have any um, examples or not really? No, I don't have any here. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I should have written that down. That's right. We'll all have to read the book now. We'll have to read the book, yeah. Um, and it's another interesting thing is if you're familiar with the history and you see all these different figures pop up yep. um, and you sort of think, oh, I know what happens to you. And you, <laughs> you have almost this dread of old oh, dead man walking when, you, yep. when you're reading it. But then... The great thing is it doesn't take away from your anticipation of the story. Like, you know how it ends, yeah. but you still want to go along with it. And she, because she There's writes it so... Story. Because she yeah. writes it so skillfully. And there are some things that surprise you. Yeah. I mean, for example, I didn't know with the... Um, when the execution happens for Anne Boleyn's... Um, her Anne Boleyn's brother and her yeah. alleged lovers. Yeah. Um, apparently, and I don't... I'm sure this is probably historical fact if she's mentioned it, yeah. but no one had bothered to keep... The, because the heads had been separated from the bodies. Um, okay. They were all jumbled up, apparently. Yep. Um, so we don't... Like, it may have been mixed up in burial as well. Like, okay. one person's head yep. with another person, which is, which is super macabre, but it's also an interesting <laughs> detail, I it think. It is very. Um, and I love how she's put that in the book. Yeah. Um, if I had one complaint, um, it would be that I found it quite annoying when she kept mentioning Wolf Hall. Now... Why is that? Wolf Hall um, is the well was the name of um, the residence of the Seymours. Okay. So the Seymour family, uh, Jane, you know their daughter yep. of the family. She was Henry's third wife, and yep. that plays a big part in the story throughout, okay. like from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Uh, because of course she was the only one who gave him a legitimate son. Okay. But I, I find that there wasn't a need to keep mentioning, oh, so-and-so from Wolf Hall, Wolf Hall or so-and-so went to Wolf Hall. It was almost like she was inserting that. Yeah term or that name into the book long after it had become relevant i mean the first book yes and that was the whole reason why it was named you know wolf hall the second one okay the third one even though i know the third one begins with his marriage to jane siebel from wolf hall but i felt it was a little bit unnecessary (laughs) let's just say to keep mentioning but that's just my opinion um look all books have their perks and not perks yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah so look but apart from that Really, really good book. Beautiful, descriptive, rich language from the cuisine at the time. Uh, you know, the sumptuous fabrics. Um, it's it's such an interesting window into the past. And, and I guess it isn't about action. That's the great thing. It's not dull, even though there's not a lot of action in it. Yeah. All of it's about the domestic and political spheres. And that's what keeps yep. the narrative going forward. Um, I, I'm interested in actually reading a novel about... Jane Rochford, who is one of the who characters. Well, she okay. So she was Anne Boleyn's sister-in-law. Okay, a very unlikable character, like super <laughs> unlikable. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why I, I was left wanting like a novel about her because it would be interesting to see how she's portrayed. Because 
she, yeah, she comes across as such a villain. I have to say. <laughs> so she's like the Mrs. Trunchbull of, or sorry, Ms. Trunchbull of this book. <laughs> well, if she had more power, yeah, but in her own way, yeah, yeah. she was, you know, she was finally, um, I think after, it's just not depicted in this book, but the next, uh, her end, sorry, isn't depicted yeah. in this book, but um, a few years after the end of the events depicted here, she did, I think, lose her head. Oh, um, very interesting. Yes, well, let's just say she she was involved in something that was probably a bad idea. Okay. But I'm surprised she lasted as long as she did. <laughs> so that's that's what I would say. And look, again, like you said before, um, we do have an audio book. Yep. Um, we've also got an ebook of that. Uh, so yep. RB Dig- um, Digital, um, yep. they have the audio book, which you can access with your library card. Okay. Um, and Wheeler's e-platform, they have the ebook. Plus, okay. throughout our different apps, BorrowBox, RV Digital and ePlatform, we have her other books, so The Assassination of Margaret Thatcher, which is, I believe, a collection of short stories, um, okay. A Place of Greater Safety, I think that's another historical fiction, yep. her memoir, Giving Up the Ghost. So we have a bunch of these uh, books by her yep. for this particular series, this particular book, and other books by Hilary Mantel. So definitely, definitely check it out. So that was... Um, the Mirror and, and the, the Light. Light by Hilary Mantel. Now, Antonia, you have yes. something a bit different. So mine was set in the 16th century. It was. Yours in the 20th. So that takes us yes. really neatly across the it centuries, does. I we think. It span quite through, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite far through. So my book is The Pearl Thief by Fiona McIntosh. Now, Fiona McIntosh is one of those writers, either you love her books or you don't really love her books. I wouldn't say hate, but, you know. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> it's up to you to make up your mind here. Uh-huh. Now, Fiona is an Australian author and she has written a number of um, historical fiction novels and they're usually usually written as a historical adventure turns into a kind of romance thing mm-hmm. and The Pearl Thief is just one of them. And it focuses on um, World War Two and a time period about 20 to 25 years after actually um, the events of World War Two. Now, this story is a little bit different to your one, Nissa. It focuses just, on... Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> so the main... Um, character is actually a female heroine and um, so not to give it away too much though but her name changes throughout the book or only changes once throughout the book Mm -hmm. Um, so that actually leads into the story and into her backstory and um, brings it together in the end I I suppose Um, so this story is about this woman who survived the horrors of World War II Mm -hmm. and she makes herself a new life in Paris and she eventually moves to the UK and so what comes up is a rare piece of jewellery. Now, this jewellery is very relevant to the story as it brings the whole story together. Um, so this story, this um, sorry, this piece of jewellery was a family heirloom and it brings back a lot of horrors and discomforts and um, a lot of tragic moments to her mind of what actually happened and how important the family and the jewels were to her. So this horrible figure uh-huh. <laughs> sorry i don't want to give away too many names because Fair enough, yeah. the story actually revolves around four main characters so the heroine the bad guy who was um a nazi an englishman who was a lawyer and the third one is actually a Mossad agent so the story in the 60s is um so it follows her adventure on how to find this evil villain this nazi traitor from world war ii um and it's very interesting there's a lot of things that I actually learned in this novel. I learned about kinder transport, mm-hmm. and I also learned about how Mossad were very um, key 
in the happenings of after World War II in hunting down these World War II criminals. Mm. There's also a lot of mention on Prague and Czechoslovakia, which I didn't know, but they actually had, um, they were terribly hit by World War II and the, the Nazis and things like that. So it's very interesting. Um, I just also want to mention that this book, it, there was a very good line in the book. It's about when a predator becomes prey, and that's pretty much the line of the whole book. Mm. So it's a whole hunt about... That's this pretty, nothing. That's, you know what? That's pretty intriguing. When the predator, it is. So can you say that again? Predator becomes a prey. A predator becomes prey. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's quite interesting. I like it's a bit of a cheesy cheesy book in my opinion. <laughs> but once you start, you can't really stop. And um, there's also quite a few small storylines in between. So it jumps back and forth. So it's written in the 1930s, and the second storyline um, is written in the 1960s. So that would be the present day, so to speak. Um, so it jumps back and forth between those two years. Um, and there's also a few other little small storylines mixed up, um, tangled in those two um, those two timelines. So a bit of romance, a bit of family matters. So there's the case of what happens to her brothers and sisters and her parents. Um, also what's happening to the evil evil villain and also the Mossad person and how he got to where he is today. And how is it at describing the setting of the time or the two different set the two different time periods? Well I believe Fiona actually went to a lot of these places um, and so it's very well researched so if you do go say into the foyer or into the garden it's very um, word for word what she's described it is mm. what you will see there today and she's mm. also kind of researched it so what it would have been like 40, 50, 60, however many years ago it was. Wow. So it's very, very accurate, very detailed. And I believe Fiona's actually even taken um, some people on a book tour. Um, I'm sure it was a highly sought after book tour, but she's been on a few tours that she set up and she'll actually walk around um, some of the places that her books were actually um, written about or oh, located. So it's very nice. interesting. Yeah, she's, look, I, I, she's bringing it to life and very, very well researched. That's good, yeah, because I think with historical fiction, particularly because we're setting, if a book is set in a time that isn't our own, it really yep. needs to be descriptive is, and well yep. described, I think, yes. to evoke all those yes. the sights and the smells and yeah. the taste almost. Yeah, <laughs> I know, it was very interesting. Well, yeah, I guess both of our books did that. So I guess that is historical fiction, two examples, one fairly recent and one just a little bit less so. <laughs> um, look, there are a lot of great historical fiction writers out there. There's Sarah Dunant, uh, Jean Plady, you know, I think she was fashionable a few years ago, Ken Follett. Sharon K. Penman, Philippa Gregory, Alison Wee, Elizabeth Chadwick. There are so many people who write historical fiction mainly, but there are other writers who also, you know, sometimes write other works, including historical fiction, like I think our own Thomas Keneally has written some, and Blanche Dapolje, I think she's done some on the early Plantagenet. So historical fiction, that is (laughs) us talking about the genre. There's so much more in it. There is, so we're a def- there is a lot covering so many different time periods, so many different dynasties, and it's always worth checking out for a bit of yep. escapism and maybe learning a few historical facts as well because oh, there's yes. a lot of that back and forth where you, yep. you, you know, start reading the historical fiction version and then that piques your interest and then you might oh, yes. go and read the history. So, Which is very interesting. Which is very interesting <laughs> indeed. Okay, well, that's us. Um, if you'd like to uh, download uh, one of our podcasts, you can find us on Podbean, the mm-hmm. app. You can find us on um, as Parapods on Apple Podcasts. Yep. And you can also find us on our blog, Parareads. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye.
material presented in this podcast is for general information only. Any opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the guest speaker do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council. City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast.